Hilchos Tfila, Perikud Aleph, Halacha Aleph, Kamakam Sheish, Basam Yisrael, any location that has 10 Yidin living in that location, Tarachach, and they basically should have to prepare or build, if they don't have one, a house. You can't do a Bayis Tfila, they should gather there for Davin, Machalis Tfila, every time of prayer. Makam Zenyu Kabesak Nesses, this place is called the house of congregating. Or commonly translated as a synagogue. People of the city have the right to force each other to contribute finances or manpower to build the shul. No one has the right to say, well, I'm not going to participate in it. And to purchase as well as prophets and writings, the entire Tanakh, the entire Bible. Nowadays, with this more sfarim of Torah, we have the obligation to purchase all necessary books for the shul and for the children to be able to study Torah. When you build the shul, it has to be built at the highest, highest point of the city, meaning at the highest uh, um, location. So if there's like a small hill, that's or, or whatever, wherever there's the highest, uh, uh, the highest level, the highest altitude, that's where the shul has to be built. It says, uh, she cries out at the head of the public places. So the place where we cry out to Hashem should be at the head, the highest place in the city. Most public in that sense. Now that's referring to the height of the floor of the shul, the ground on which it lies. We make the shul high enough, besides being built at the highest location, it should be higher than all the other uh, buildings in the city. Chatzah means courtyards, but in this case it means buildings. Shem the Pasuk says, to lift up the house of our God. So even if it's built in the highest location in the city, if there's a very tall building elsewhere, you have to build a shul to make sure it's the tallest of all the buildings. So the height, the top of the shul should always be higher than all the tops of, all, of the other buildings. In Pesach, you only open doors to the shul on the east side. The doors to the shul to enter should be on the eastern side of the shul. And those who can before the Mishkan are on the eastern side. The word before can also mean the, the entrance to. So therefore it hints to that idea that entrance should be on the eastern side. Just like it was by the Mishkan. We build inside the shul a hechel, a, uh, an ark. In which the sefer is placed, like an iron kodesh. And you build this on the side which the people daven in that direction, in that city. In other words, depending where on the planet you are, you have to daven towards Yerushalayim. So whichever direction that is, and that side of that, that's the wall where the iron kodesh for the sefer should be built. This way, when the people stand to daven to face Yerushalayim, they'll also be standing facing this heichel, this uh, this structure, this sanctuary, so to speak, uh, where the sefer Torah is kept. Now, besides the common sefer Torah, the common Aaron Kodesh, where the sefer Torah is kept, back then the minute was to have another sort of temporary portable Aaron Kodesh, as will be described in future halachas. Halacha Gimel, in the middle of the. This uh, this uh, structure we place in the middle of the shul. You have in the, in the center a platform. That somebody can ascend upon it to read the Torah. Somebody is going to say words of rebuke, give a sermon to the congregation. So everyone can hear when he's speaking or when he's reading the Torah. When you when you when you take the teva, the box. Uh, but this is not the heichel we described in the previous halacha. This is a temporary, movable, portable Aaron Kodesh. 
in which the Sefer Torah that was going to be used that day uh, for that reading was placed, or that if it's two or three Sefer Torahs even were placed in there. So they're placed in, uh, and, and that portable Aaron Kodesh is placed in the middle of the Shulah as well, but not directly in the center. The back of the, uh, this, uh, this portable Aaron Kodesh faces the, the permanent Aaron Kodesh, and, it, and, it, and it, its opening is towards the people. So it's towards the eastern side, apparently, uh, uh, but, uh, uh, but not completely, un- it's towards the side, that, well, if it's America, it's the eastern side of the eastern wall, where Aaron Kodesh is, but not mamish by the wall, but removed away from it somewhat, and the opening faces the congregation. You have two Aaron Kodeshes, one permanently, which is on the eastern, far eastern wall, over there you place all the cifeterios, no matter how many you have, but then the one, the, the one or ones which we used that day, those were placed uh, 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 for that day in this temporary Aaron Kedush, which is somewhat removed from the eastern wall, a little close to the, to the center of the shul. What is the procedure? How do people sit in the shul? The elders sit facing the rest of the people. And their backs are to the heichel. So they're sitting towards the far eastern wall, for example, assuming the Aaron Kedush is on the eastern side, like in America. Uh, so they sit on the benches that are in the far east in front of the shul, but they face the people. All the people sit before them, uh, row after row. Each, the, each row faces the row behind it. Excuse me, each row faces the row in front of it. Basically, the way it turns out is that everybody, all the people in the shul are sitting row after row in a way that they're facing the uh, permanent Aaron Kedesh and they're facing the elders and they're facing the temporary Aaron Kedesh as well, the portable Aaron Kedesh, which all three of those, the Zikanim and the portable Aaron Kedesh and the temporary Aaron Kedesh are all more towards the eastern side. When the Chazin stands to Davli Amud, he stands in the earth, on the ground, in front of the Temporary Aaron Kodesh, in front of the Vnei Kodesh, he's facing the permanent Aaron Kodesh, as is everyone else. Hey, but in the but in the a basic nesses, a synagogue, and a house of study, negim and kavod must be treated with respect. you sweep them, you mop them. Of negim call you saw besvard of mitra of the Yidden in the Spanish countries and in the West, and of Shinar and of Babylonia of Eretz Tzvi and in Eretz Yisrael, which is called Eretz Tzvi, which means land of the light. Uh, based on a pasuk in Yemiyo, where Eretz Yisrael is called Eretz Tzvi, the hakelik hashash about the kasiyos in the minig in all these places is to light lamps in the show, not only at night but even during the day. Apparently, just to, as a sense out of honor, latzia bakakobakakarin machat latzoyis and to spread on spread on the on the ground mats, kadiyeshavlein to sit on these mats, as was the custom in those countries in the mosques, uvari edem and in the cities of. Edomites in the cities of the Rome, Romans, so to speak, meaning in Europe, basically, they sit on chairs, as was the custom of those countries in their houses of worship, in the churches. So it was a cultural thing, and it seems the shuls did what was common practice among the, the regular people. Synagogues and houses of study, we don't conduct ourselves in a lightheaded manner there. Like joking, and frivolity, and idle talk. You don't eat in them. You don't drink in them. You don't benefit from them. This can also be translated as we don't adorn ourselves, like using it as a place to show off your clothes or your jewelry. You don't just uh, hang out in them, stroll in them. You don't enter them in the summertime because of uh, when it's sunny out, because of the to, to, to get some shade. 
the students, Due to the difficulty involved, they're allowed to eat and drink, and then because if you made them leave every time they have to eat or drink, they waste a lot of time from their learning. You don't make mathematical calculations in the shul. Unless it was related to a mitzvah. For example, something related to the stock collection, or pigeon shvoyim, redeeming captives, or getting better, or any other mitzvah matter. You don't do any eulogy in the shul. Unless it's a eulogy which involves the community, the public. Not just in a few individuals. For example, if it was a eulogy of the great the great sages of that city, for which purpose everyone come together. Apparently, it seems this refers to whether it's a great chacham who passed away, or it's a great chacham who's doing the eulogy, or even if it's a great chacham who's attending it, that is permitted to be done in a shul. If the shul had two doors, one on each side, so you should not make it into a shortcut. You go from going in the door on one side of the shul and exit on the other side in order to make it a shortcut for the uh, the way you're traveling. It's only only allowed to go into a shul for the purpose of a mitzvah, not for a shortcut. Someone has to go into the shul. He feels he needs to go inside for a non-mitzvah purpose, like calling a child or calling his friend. He should go inside and then read a little bit of Torah or say over Dvar Halacha. And then afterwards call his friend. This way he's not entering just for his own personal purposes. Many a day, if he does not have to read from the Torah or, or to say over Halacha, he should ask one of the children there, the Karli Pasuk Shatakarabai, read for me the Pasuk that you're studying. If that's not an option, he should just wait in the shul for a small amount of time. The Mepharshim suggests the time it takes to walk eight hand breaths, which is a slightly less than three feet, so we're talking about just a few seconds. Uh, you should tarry a little bit in the shul, and afterwards go out. Because just waiting there itself is also a mitzvah. It says, Happy are those who sit or who dwell in your house. So just sitting there for a little bit is also a mitzvah. If someone goes into the shul to learn, once he's in there and once he comes inside to learn, when it's time to leave, if for some reason it's better for him to leave at a different door, he's allowed to do that. He doesn't have to go out the same door, even if by leaving out a different door, ultimately it's going to be shorter for him. A person is allowed to go into a shul with a, with a staff. Over Minola, you're wearing shoes. Over Pandasa, you're wearing, his, uh, wearing only undergarments. Or alternatively translated as a money belt. Over Avak Sharaglav, or dust on his feet. Some of these things may not be permitted in the base of Migdash, but they are allowed in the shul. If a person had to spit, he may spit in the shul. A synagogue or a base medrash, a house of study that was destroyed. They remain holy. That location remains holy. The Pasuk says, I will destroy your sanctuaries. Which means, the sanctuary is a sanctuary even when it's destroyed. Even though they are destroyed, they remain holy. Just like you have to treat them on, uh, with respect. When they are... Uh, in their settled state, meaning when they're standing, we must treat them as respect as well when they are in a destroyed state. The exception being sweeping and mopping, that's not necessary. The destroyed shul does not have to be mopped and sweeped if it's not being used. 
If grass grows in that location, it becomes overgrown. Then you, you uproot the grass, you leave it there to pile up. That people should see, will see it, and it'll arouse their spirits, and therefore they will rebuild the shul. In his comment, in his uh, period on the Mishnah, the Ramam adds that even if it's impossible to build the shul, it should still be uprooted and left there, so people should see it and be and, and mourn the loss of the shul, and it'll arouse them to do tshuva in general. You do not destroy a shul, demolish a shul to build another one in its place, or to build it in a different location. Uh, rather, you first build the new shul, then you demolish the old shul. Because we're worried about something may happen, some kind of unforeseeable event in Oynes, and they will not end up building, and there'll, there'll be no shul. Even one wall of the shul, you build the new wall first, next to the old wall, and then you destroy the old wall. You may not destroy the old wall, and then build a new one in its place, because we're worried that maybe you'll never end up building, building the new one because of some unforeseen circumstance. When the foundation is not ruined of the shul, or the walls are not uh, leaning and, and in danger of falling, if the foundation is is uh, ruined, or the walls are leaning and they may fall, so it's a danger to be in the shul. You quickly try to rebuild the shul a day and night. Again, because of the concern, if you don't do it uh, uh, insistently, urgently, maybe some unforeseen circumstance will happen and it will remain in a destroyed state. You may transform a synagogue into a house of study. You may not transform a house of study into a synagogue. Because the holiness of a house of study exceeds that of a synagogue. We only go up in holiness, we only ascend, we do not descend. And since Torah is the most important mitzvah, at base Medrash we study Torah, that takes that has holiness over Besaknesis, where you daven. If the people of a, of a city sell a shul, excuse me, they can be teva, uh, uh, they may buy with its money something more holy, such as the Aaron Kaidash. They sell the Aaron Kaidash, they're allowed to buy. Uh, uh, the mantle or the case for sefetera, right? So sefetera is covered with a mantle, or in the Sephardic communities, with it, it's it's in a case. They sold the mantle or the case. You may buy with the money a chumash, which in the times of the Rambam meant a scroll, which one of the five chumashim was written on. The word chumash literally means a fifth. There's five books, so one of the five books of the Torah is is a fifth, hence the term chumash. They sold the chumash, you may buy a If they sold a sifatera, even though you're not allowed to sell a sifatera, you're only allowed to use the money to buy another sifatera. So if you sold an array, that's the only thing the money may be used for. But to sell a sifatera, even to buy another one, that's not allowed, as the Ramah will say later on in Hilchas sifatera. The only reason why you may sell a sifatera is to use the money to get married or to learn trader. There's no holiness that's greater than the Sifatera. All the halachas apply to any remaining money of what, what remains over from any sales that we described in this says If people, if the community made a collection to buy to collect money to build a house of study or a shul, or to buy an Aaron Kodesh, or to buy a mantle, or a case, a sifatera, or a sifatera, they want to take the money they collected for one purpose, to change to a different purpose, 
You have to change it from a lower level to a higher level. So taking money, for example, that was collected to buy a uh, the, the mantle of the Sifatera and buy a Sifatera, and use that money to buy a Sifatera itself, for example, that would be okay. But the vice versa, take money that was used to purchase the money that was collected with the intention of purchasing a Sifatera um, and using that to buy uh, the mantle of a Sifatera or a Chumash, that's not okay. If they collection serves its purpose and they have money left over, let's say they say if you give them a discount, that extra money may be used whatever they desire, even if it's a lower level of Kedusha or any, or any, or any, any purpose. Um, meaning any purpose which benefits the community, even, even, even if it's not Mamash a holy purpose. The whole claim says. All the uh, uh, items that are part of the shul are, like, are considered like a shul. So when you collect money, for example, to buy a shul, that includes the benches. And the money from the, for the, that's, uh, that the, if you sell the benches, that money can only be used for something you may use that, that if you sold the shul. The same, the same principles. Uh, the the uh, curtain that covers the Aaron Kedish. Mitpachas as far has the halachas of a mantle of over the over the sifatayda. But if they made a tenai when they bought any any of these items uh, uh, or collected money for these items, then then the terms of the tenai of the stipulation are binding based on whatever stipulation the community agrees upon. More specifically, I may be referring actually to specifically to the curtains of the Aaron Kedish that you may buy those and make a tenai that um, the components of the shul. And, and its curtains are allowed to be used for mundane purposes, you want to take the benches out and use them for something else, then that is considered uh, okay because you made a condition. When do we say that there's a, there's a situation where you're allowed to sell the shul if the people agree and use the money to buy another shul, etc., things like that, or buy a cemetery even, uh, uh, or especially buy a cemetery, when, do we say, when does that apply? The shul, which is in a small village. Because it's made with the understanding and the agreement of the people of that city. So the people of that city uh, have the choice and the prerogative of what to do with the shul. It's made for them to daven. If they all want to sell it, then they're allowed to matarin, provided they have another shul, of course, and there's and there's ways to, ways to go about selling it. Uh, a shul of a large city, however, since it's a place where many people come from all over the outside the city, so therefore it's made with the understanding and and and, and in consideration of the entire Jewish people. So whoever comes to the to the country will go there to daven that shul. Nasa shul b'kol Yisrael belongs to the entire Jewish people. The Melech Yisrael can never be sold ever. When the people of a small city want to sell their shul, and if it's a small city, they may sell the shul as if it's not frequented by people from the from the outside, as we said. Um, they want to sell their shul in order to build. Ram says, "Oh, but it seems he means in order to build." A, another shul. Excuse me, so they want to sell the shul either to build another shul with the money or they want to buy with the money a, a, a nice iron kredish for a different shul or they want to uh, buy some potato, in which case you're allowed to sell a shul. They have to make a, make a condition with, deal with the buyer. A condition with the buyer shul will not make the shul into anything of the following. It's not a bathhouse. It's not a tannery. It's a place where they work hides into leather. nor a mikvah, uh, nor a laundry mat, a place where laundry is done. So, um, uh, because these are things that are that are especially demeaning for a shul.
Alternatively, based on mine, could actually mean a uh, a bathroom for going to the, bath- to the bathroom for urinating only. Um, in which case, perhaps to make a show into a mikvah would be permitted, uh, especially if there's no other uh, no other option in terms of in terms of having a mikvah. But that's a separate conversation. So again, any of these things is considered demeaning to the shul to become something like that. If the seven good members of the city, meaning like the communal board, the communal governing communal board of the uh, governing communal body of the city, whether it's seven is a common number, but it could be any number really, um, makes a deal. In the presence of the people of the city, when they sell it, that the buyer will be allowed to use it for any of these things. Mutter that it's permitted. Even though it seemingly would be a uh, still still embarrassing to the shul to become any of these things, even if the, the entire community, including the governing body, make this condition uh, altogether, and the farshim explain why that helps. Halachin ches, and uh, here we'll have an answer to our question. The previous halacha, the chenim hisnu shiva If seven governing bodies of the city. The Maimed Anshir made a condition in the presence of the people of the city and made a public announcement. That the remainder of the money that they collect for whatever collective purposes, that's if, for example, they collect the money for terror, they're saying, after you buy the terror, if we have extra money, that money is mundane. The money is mundane, uh, and you may do with it whatever they please. When they take the money and build, for example, a, another shul, and they build, uh, they build another shul, or they buy Aaron uh, Kedesh, or a uh, mantle, or a case, or Chumashin, or Sefetera. The rest of the money became, becomes mundane, as they, as, they, as they stipulated. They therefore may do with it whatever they please. So it seems that when they make the condition in the presence of all the people in the city, the money transfers completely away from whatever it was that they designated it for, and it goes to the other purpose. So in this case, the tenai that they uh, the connect, collecting money for sifatayr, but the remainder of the money, if it's left over, it can be used for anything. Then the remain that 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 remaining money is not associated at all with the kedusha of sifatayr. So when we said that they make a condition, but the people who buy the who in, in the presence of all the people of the city that the, that the purchasers of the shul may use it for even to make a bathhouse out of it. Then in doing so, when the person buys the shul, the money. The, the, the Kedusha of the Shul transfers completely to the money and now there's no more Kedusha at all remaining in the Shul, even uh, uh, representative Kedusha, figurative Kedusha, so to speak, and therefore one may use the Shul now for whatever purpose the buyer wants to do with it. Presumably with the exception of using it for a base of the Zara, such as a church. If, the, if the, uh, all the people of the city or the majority of the people of the city accept upon themselves the discretion, the uh, judgment, so to speak, Authority of one individual. Call Mashi also say that Allah is if he's the one, the one governing body, the elected uh, mayor, so to speak. Whatever he does is is done. He may sell or even give as a gift to Shul on his with his own discretion, according to he sees appropriate. and he can make whatever condition he sees fit, so he can, as a single individual, be the governing body of the community regarding the Shul. Just as you may, the community may sell the shul, they may give the shul as a gift. Because the assumption is, if the community did not benefit at all uh, from this gift, uh, they would not have given it. Therefore, by the, the benefit they receive is like payment, so to speak. 
They may not rent out the shul for a uh, mundane purpose, again, unless it was built with that condition, or they may use it as a collateral, uh, as a security for a loan. Because again, when the person pays for the shul or does some favor, it would, then the kedusha of the shul transfers to the money or to that benefit, that favor. But if it's being if it's being rented or being used as security, there's nothing else which can uh, uh, now become the new embodiment of the holiness of the shul. Therefore, it's not allowed. In other words, there's nothing for the kedusha to transfer over into. When you tear down a shul, demolish it to rebuild it. You may sell. Exchange or give us a gift, halavanium, the bricks, the wood, or the dirt, that uh, the, 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 the actual material of the, for the for the for the wall of the old shul, uh, that it may be sold or given as a gift. Avo, however, to lend it also that's forbidden. Because the only way to transfer the holiness out of the the material of the shul is by transferring it through money that's that's paid for, or by some benefit that's done. If, in exchange for which it is given as a gift, as we said, that is like money. However, if it's just uh, being lent or being given as security, that's not allowed. The street, the public street in this, of the city, even though people do dive in that public square on fast days and on Mamodis, which is the, um, the, the, the times when the, when the people who are meant to represent Kal Yisrael uh, in the uh, Karbanis, who are unable to go to Yerushalayim, so they, they gather in the uh, certain places and they fast and they daven, representing Klal Yisrael over the daily Karbanis, as Rama will describe later on in uh, the Book of Avodah. Uh, because in those situations, there's a lot of people gathered and the shuls are not able to contain everyone. And by Kedusha, nevertheless, the public square of the city doesn't have holiness. Because it's temporary, it's not an established place for davening. Similarly, the courtyards or houses where people gather to daven occasionally, do not have established holiness. They have not been established purely for davening. It's just occasionally they daven there. Because others should follow a person who occasionally davens in his house, and therefore they don't have the Kedusha of a Besach